0: Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fish Hawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today we have a conversation with fishing guide Ross Robertson. Ross charters on the west end of Lake Erie with his company Big Water Fishing. And this conversation focuses on Shimano and G Loomis. I hope you enjoy the interview and look forward to the next show.
2: I think the question that I get all the time, and, and this is again, it doesn't matter if you're just walleye fishing or whatever, is is when you look at the rod lineups. Like I worked with those guys to develop a new rod that primarily was going to be used for spinner fishing, like braided line, dead sticking, stuff like that. And it's actually marketed under the uh, Shimano Compre brand. And it's a more moderate rod. And so basically, I think that there's a lot of confusion and I understand that because, you know, you, you look at these things nowadays, we're always looking online, looking on thumb drives and stuff like that. We're not seeing the visual on this is a moderate rod, for lack of a better you know, layman's term, it's going to bend more and it's not going to be as fast or as stiff. And, you know, that's really advantageous when you're fishing live bait or you have braided line. It doesn't have that stretch and we just came out with that new rod so we've got two eight foot three compres and between those two rods that's probably 90 some percent of what i use and i can't tell you how many people have asked me like why are what's the difference in these rods and they kind of appear to be the same but i can tell you if you were to spinner fish with the uh, faster rod you're going to lose a lot of fish you're you're not going to feel a lot of fish um and the same thing goes for like braided line you know so that little extra given there is is really really advantageous on it. I know some of your salmon guys, you know, can probably
0: correlate some of that over there as well. So, and and are those, those are the same, you know, the medium action one is, uh, is, is one labeled moderate, one labeled fast, or how how are, how do they, how do they, what's kind of their naming?
2: Yeah, I think it's just one is, one is um, MDD is the new one, and that's the more moderate one. So we've got moderate and then we've got moderate fast. and the, the original one is definitely, it's, I think too, that the big thing that you realize, it's kind of like when you start looking at brand A, B, C, and D, like what they're calling medium from brand one, two, three, and four is often quite a bit different. And that's one of the reasons that I really like, you know, G Loomis for my like, what I'm going to call it in hand rods, if you will. So if I'm jigging or ice fishing or something like that, because the rods are really, really technique specific. So when you look at them, and let's say like an SGR, so that's spinning jig rod. So we know it's a jig rod, we know it's a spinning rod and like a 782, for example. So that means that that rod is 78 inches. That's the first two numbers. And that last two is gonna be the power. So a two power, which is basically a medium. So a light is gonna be a one, a uh, you know, kind of a medium heavy is a three, and then a like heavy would be a four. So really a big advantage when you look at other um, Options out there, they just they don't cover what G Loomis does. So it's really nice that, let's say you're drop shotting and you want an extra fast rod. So basically that tip. And I know this may be kind of difficult, but I brought some little ice rods because I figured it might be easier to get in there. But this is an extra fast. And so this is a solid blank on one of the ice rods, like this. But you can see it's almost like what a drop shot rod would be. We've got really fast tip, then we kick into some really good backbone, and then you know that's. This is more of a fast rod and you go well, what's the difference well that other one i would use for like you know if we're going to talk ice fishing for a second like i would use that for like jig heads tungsten stuff like this where this is like a little spoon rod for me a little blade bait um like i use this one it's my favorite little perch rod for using a little rattle baits uh, like ripping wraps and stuff like that and then when you get into the walleye rods like as an example here this is a 392 which is a two power medium so like if we're regular doing stuff you know i would say up to maybe three eighths, Um, quarter and three-eighths. This is awesome. And then we get into a three-power. This stuff really does make a difference because that rod that I just showed you, if I put a half or a three-quarter ounce jigging spoon on it, it's just going to be like a jello. So whether you're ice fishing or open water fishing, it it doesn't matter. You want that rod to be able to have some, you know, to be able to carry that lure so that you not only can set the hooks. So here's a three-power. You can see how much faster or uh, heavier that that is. But you want that to be able to when you you jig and you stop the thing just doesn't like a like a wave you know you don't want that bungee because you won't be able to feel the fish you won't be able to present that lure and that's obviously really important ice fishing Uh, but i think sometimes that's overlooked as well when you're you know fishing jigs just about
0: anything really you know i think i think one of the things that i you know just as a consumer you know with with what's happened with online shopping right i mean uh, buying fishing rods and then trying to buy those online versus seeing them in the store, uh, you know, I think that's where maybe a lot of the questions come from when you talk start talking about actions and blank speeds and this kind of thing, because, you know, now, you know, it's it's a little more difficult sometimes to be able to go in and, and actually shake that rod or feel that rod um, versus, uh, you know, versus when you bought every rod at, uh, you know, in store, so.
2: Right. And I'm not trying to steal a thunder, but I did a thing just because of that for in Fisherman that they've got on, I think, their YouTube channel and web page. So showing the rods at the same time being bent and what the difference on that is. And I guess really a really a quick kind of rod lesson that I know you guys probably know, but the difference between action and power. So power is basically like how much weight that is going to take, you know, how heavy a line we could use. So that's light, medium, heavy, whatever. Um, and again, uh, on G Loomis, that's like one, two, three, and four. They have a number assigned with those. So it makes it really easy to quickly look at that or, like you said, look in the catalog or whatever. Uh, but then the flip of that is, is is the action. So we've got like moderate, we've got moderate fast, we've got fast, we have extra fast. And that's basically how much curve in really layman's terms. I'm sure some serious hardcore rod guys are going to go nuts on me for that. But basically how much bend you have on that rod. And So like a crankbait rod for bass guys. You know, they want it to be softer, more moderate so that they're not pulling hooks out of them. They don't have that. They can let that fish kind of load up on it. That's really the same thing a walleye guy like me wants when we're fishing live bait, Um, you know, especially when we're dead sticking or we're using braided line because, you know, monofilament's got 20 some percent stretch. Right. So on that faster action rod that I'm using for my crankbaits, I've got that mono on there at 20 some percent. Now all of a sudden I'm using some braided line and it's got three to five percent stretch. That give has to go somewhere. And in this case, I just use that more that softer rod or more moderate rod. And that's gonna make sure you have a lot less hooks pull out. And also it's gonna, it's gonna change the action. You know, when you have a rod and it's very stiff and you have braided line on it, it is really, really herky jerky. Like listening to Dan there talking about, you know, he wanted that with the inline boards. Generally speaking, with us walleye guys, you know, we want to reduce that surge because I can always impart more. it's much more difficult to have less uh
0: so here's a kind of a general question from steve Connolly uh over on facebook that that uh, i think kind of sums it up and and again maybe maybe put this in the context of somebody that's newer to trolling or kind of just getting set up so if you kind of had to pick one what what speed route are you gonna are you gonna choose you know for most of your trolling
2: when you say what speed you mean like power
0: yeah I, i think i think we're referring to action there you know what uh you know
2: you know, that's that's a tough one only because I'm not going to pick on other manufacturers, but when you, if you go like you, you, you nailed it. I mean, when you're, if you're looking and you're trying to buy stuff online, man, that's a tough deal because from manufacturer to manufacturer, what they're calling and the different, you know, materials that they're using, if they're more composite. Um, You know how much bend is in there you can look at three rods and from three different manufacturers have the exact same so called specs on them and you put them in your hand and you know you got three totally totally different rods there. Um, But generally speaking for me, I I want a rod that's going to be, you know, those two compres, obviously, but eight foot eight and a half foot, right in that range. You get too much longer, you know, You know, netting and storage becomes difficult. I like a telescoping rod. I hate two piece rods, when, when avoidable. So all my board rods are those telescoping rods and they telescope down really easy, which is great in the garage or obviously in the boat. And I'm looking for that kind of, you know just enough give on the tip that I'm not gonna rip hooks out and my stuff's gonna be pulled through with the boards fine uh, but not so stiff. Or soft, and I'm not going to be able to get hooks into them. So that's why those two rods, if you check out those those eight foot three compres, are perfect for me. Now, some guys like you know shorter rods or longer rods, more power to you. There's personal preference there, but when you get much shorter than eight foot, in my opinion, we lose a lot of that shock absorber, and we also lose our spread. So when I kind of put those out, you know, in my moose ears, I got big birds, uh, custom tackle trees, and different uh, rod holders there, uh, riser cradles. I'm, I'm trying to extend my reach, you know, I'm trying to get those line angles so they're not going to touch the water. And so that rod is just an extension of what we're doing. It's kind of like grabbing a hammer. Do you want to grab it right below the head or at the bottom of the handle? You know, it's going to give me more, more leverage for sure. So, um, but there becomes a point of diminishing terms. You get something so long now all of a sudden netting's more difficult, um, you know, things like that. But um, ultimately I would tell you when people are looking at things is find something that works for you. Buy one of this, buy one of that, and then ultimately that's what you need to be using for everything. Whatever you settle in, it's most important. I think as long as you're kind of close to have everything the same. I mean that's so important. The continuity with with trolling is so 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 important.
1: All right, Ross, you kind of answered Ryan's question here. Ryan wanted to know uh, what your go to rod for inline boards is and why. Uh, he's asking power, length, and action. So maybe just answer the back part of it uh, do, do these rods do they play any kind of part in being able to read those boards
2: absolutely absolutely because you know if you have a rod that's too stiff um, it's gonna it's gonna rip that board and make it more difficult it's gonna be more herky jerky it's gonna be a lot more difficult in order to actually read what's going on there but then if inversely if we have one that's really really soft you know those fish can kind of come up there and hang on that and as you kind of ride in the waves and such and it's gonna be much more difficult to see them as well. And then again about what's going on we've got stretch in that line I mean even if you're using braid line there's some stretch in there uh, but if you're using monofilament like I prefer to do for a majority of my presentations you know when you've got 100 150 feet of line out between from the board to the rod tip to the lure um, there's a lot of stuff that can go in there and, and you, you've got to definitely have the right package so
1: all right you've been talking a little bit of ice fishing and we're going to bring uh jMO's yeah. question in here Uh, It is an ice fishing question. (laughs) Make it quick. Uh, Top three ice fishing lures for you for walleyes.
2: You've got to have some type of rattle spoon. You've got to have some type of horizontal bait, you know, glide style bait. And you've got to have a plain lead head jig. Something just a real basic deal that's kind of a closer or a dead stick. You find the right, you know, deal for your neck of the woods and have one of those three always tied on. You can kind of rotate through and that's uh, that's a go-to pattern.
1: All right. You right now are transitioning from ice mode. I know you kind of, you've been out there the last few weeks and just uh, wrapping that up. So you're getting the open water stuff ready. What are some things that you're doing right now to get yourself ready for the open water season?
2: We work, you know, I was on the ice about six weeks straight. um, But truthfully, I mean, we work a lot farther out. I ordered all my ice gear, you know, for the manufacturers that I work with in July. So when it's hundred degrees out, you know, that's when we're actually doing that stuff. So almost all of my work I would say is done um, because I I have to work on on a much longer timeline. I've got to have everything tied, ready to go like that. Only thing I don't really do until I get a little closer is the final re-spool on my game rods. So I've got two sets of rods and reels that I use. So I always kind of have some backups. Um, So I won't do my final respool until we get a little bit closer here, probably in the next week or so. Um, But I still got a few sport shows and things that I got to kind of kind of go and do. We're rigging up one of our other guide boats, um, putting some new stuff on and kind of one of the blessings and the curses of what I do is we get to try a lot of new gear. And while that sounds great, um, you know, kind of trying to learn some of that stuff that we have to hide and can't show anybody because we're trying to get the kinks out of it before that's released next year. Um, that's a lot of the stuff that we're doing that's why you don't really we don't show it because uh, i'd have my tail kicked for that but um, kind of learning some of that new stuff is, is definitely a big part of my early season prep we
0: we talked rods right out of the gate what 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 uh what's happening over on the reel department as far as uh, as far as in the trolling reels themselves you
2: know with rods i mean and those companies are not
0: what i'm going to call an expensive
2: especially with you figure the warranty and all that stuff they're not they're under 100 bucks i think um the reels are more expensive that's the one thing i try to tell the guys and i don't know how many of my guide clients you know probably more than half my guide clients own a boat and you know they, they work with me just to kind of try to learn some more stuff all the time and I tell these guys to them blue in the face, and they find out every one of them the hard way. Do not buy a cheap reel because a good one is going to last an average, you know, guy a really, really long time. Like perhaps even their career. Um, I've still got some trolling reels that are 20-some years old. and They see, you know, 150 to 200 days a year. So I'm using Shimano Takotas. Um, I've got the old style and then I've got the new style. The new style is a lot faster, so I'm using those for my cranks or things where I, you know, want to be able to pick up line. Or, or can get away with that. And, you know, I'm using the older ones for spinners and things like that where people usually generally reel too fast and I'm always trying to get them to slow down. And in both cases of the Shimano Dakota, I'm using that 500 size. And it's really, to me, it's kind of an important thing. And I know everybody's always looking for smaller, 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 um, but having that 500 you're gonna get, it's it's still a small reel, it's super compact. I mean, it's like, you know, back in the day, we were using bait casters for bass that were, were bigger than that. But you're going to have larger drag washers, and the line's just going to work, even though I, I'm not worried about capacity whatsoever, those drag washers are going to be a little bit bigger. You're going to have a little bit better gearing as far as for what we're doing. We're going to have, um, when you look at the drag stuff and the specs, we're going to get a little bit more drag on. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but like some of them are, let's say on the really, really small reels are like 12 pound, and we're upwards of like 16 or 20 when you get those a little bit bigger size reels. So. For me, the 500 size is kind of important, even though I don't need the line capacity. And it's also going to stack that line on there a little bit nicer, too, and, and not have on some of those narrower spools that some of the smaller ones have. So that's something that I would keep in mind. And, you know, when you do spool those up, you know, do it right the first time. But then you only put three, 400 feet or something on once you re-spool after. Um, that's kind of a key deal. Make sure you do it right the first time, though.
1: Yeah, we're getting a bunch of questions on that right now, Ross. Uh, here's one from Ryan Clark again. Ryan wants to know if you re-spool your reels for every trolling season. So every year. Respool no, every calibrate. season. Respool and calibrate. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I started kind of teaching people about that calibrating thing probably close to 20 years ago when I figured that out kind of the hard way. And I don't, I mean, I respool or or calibrate sometimes weekly. Um, I mean, you got to remember I'm fishing seven days a week. I'm gonna very shortly. I'm about a 120 days stint in a row. So, um, you know, when things happen, maybe, maybe some ding dong clients, maybe some ding dong captains too, but you know, things happen. Sometimes a little small fish may kind of mess your stuff up or you hit a log or sticks or whatever it can be, or just a lot of catching a fish. Um, you know, I change my line accordingly. That's why I kind of have some backup stuff so I can work those in and I don't have to do them, um, when I'm in a pinch, but, yeah, I check the calibration that stuff all the time because you got to remember, as you keep cutting that off or you get a little little nick or something in there, every one of those things is going to change things. And all of a sudden, if one's off a little bit this way and one's off this way, that's going to make a big difference uh,
1: on certain presentations. All right, we got one from YouTube here. Jeremy, once again, uh, he wants to know, how are you using your fishhawk data when you're trolling uh, for walleyes on Lake Erie?
2: I want, I want to know what my speed is. I want to reproduce that. And, you know, sometimes I think people get caught up with that number too much as, as far as what that number is. Okay. I'm using that basically as a control. So I know like Lance and a couple of those guys in the questions were like, hey, you're going up, you're going down. I'm just using that as a control number. So some guys, you know, I, I have buddies in the springtime. They're like, oh, my God, we're going one four. The water is too cold for that. I don't really care about the number. I just want to be able to duplicate that. So maybe my fish move, maybe the water clarity changes and it causes me I got to shift a mile or two or I just keep going on that pass. I want to make sure that as I set up again or things change or maybe I now I need to go a little faster or slower. What was that real number that I was at? And then again, if it's flat calm, I tell people all the time, the time to use the hawk most important times probably when it's flat calm because you don't realize the current that's going on there and it's very difficult to read it. When when we have a little bit of wave action, you know, and either the waves determine how your boat's going to go and what we have to deal with or it makes it a lot easier to read the current. But when it's flat calm, that 100% is the time that you better have that fish hawk out if you're not catching fish, especially if you're, you know, going in multiple directions. So, but ultimately I use that number as a reference point. But again, as Captain Dan set up on there, you have to remember I've been doing this 200 days a year for more than 20 or you know, 20 plus years. And so experience really helps me a lot. Sometimes I could do this with my eyes closed a little bit because I kind of know what to experience from how the conditions have been. Um, but until you get some time on your hands with that, play with the hawk. It really, really makes a big difference.
1: We really appreciate you coming on. It was always fun to talk to you. Always fun to have you on the show. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. If you want to learn more about Ross and what he's got going on, he's got a podcast. He's got an awesome YouTube channel. and You can find his website at bigwaterfishing.com. Ross, uh, thanks again so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.